This message was recorded live at Life Church Lancashire, a contemporary Christian church in the north of England. Learn more at lifelanks.org. Awesome, great to see you this morning. We are so happy to celebrate family. Wasn't that good? That's so good. And if you're here and thinking, well, I'm like kind of on my own, I don't really have much of a family, we'd like to be it. How's that? And you can be part of it and hope you feel uh, a part of that. And we've got a series right now called uh, Reading Mark, Meeting Jesus. And it's actually the final, 18th of 18. So where have you been? If you missed it. But you can jump in, no problem at all, and uh, you will find it. So we're right at the the end of... uh, the Gospel of Mark, and uh, but I started, I launched this series 18 or more weeks ago, you, you, you could have worked that out, couldn't you, you know, you, I, see, I see the grey matter ticking over, and uh, we started it with the first verse in Mark, which I want to remind you of, which is, this is the good news about Jesus, the Messiah, the Son of God. And this is what we want to communicate, or we've been seeking to communicate, and we want you to know more about Jesus. He is good news. Some Christians seem to try to make it not so good news, uh, or that's how it appears, but we want you to know it's very good news about Jesus, the Messiah. And we want you to be enthused by the idea of Jesus and getting to know Jesus. Now, so my prayer has been through this series that you would get to know more about Jesus, that you would get to know Jesus better. Because I believe it's a journey, yeah, we can come to faith in Christ, but then it becomes a journey which we can spend all our lives getting to know Jesus better. It's unfathomable, the, the wonder of God, how amazing God is, how wonderful He is, and how much He wants to be involved in our life. And Mark's gospel is the story of who Jesus is, who He is, what He did for us, and Mark records Jesus' life, and we've got, as we've gone through week by week, we've seen the miracles, we've seen his interaction with people, we've seen what people said to him, what people said about him, and we've seen all of these things, and from that we've learned more and more about Jesus, but we've not exhausted it, we never will. And, you know, it's wonderful to be in a church community where people care about you and, and, and how you can feel accepted. But we, we need, I want to make it clear again, that church is not your, the answer. Jesus is. People, me, leaders, anyone else, we are not the answer. Jesus is. And although we want you to be part of a community, what we really want to be part, you to be part of, of God's family and you can only have that by meeting Jesus for you yourself. And we get to know him better by revelation. That's largely from the Bible. God's written so much down that we can understand and, and, and experience, but also to learn about Jesus, which we've been seeking to do as we've gone through Mark's gospel. So we get to know him. And Mark, when we read the, the gospel of Mark, we've seen how Mark always seemed to be in a hurry. He always wanted to get the message out there as quick as he possibly could. He, all, he, he was sort of like determined to say, this is the news. Let's get it out there. Let's get people to know that. And 2,000 years later, I believe the church, we should have the same sense of urgency to get the message out there. The people we meet, the people we, in, we interact with, need to see something of Jesus in us. They don't need to be Bible 
well bashed, but they do need to see something of the love of God. And we have to get, we're, God's wanting us to get this message out as quick as we possibly can. So meeting Jesus changes us, encountering his presence on a continual basis continues to change us. It's a process of transformation where we be, begin to become more like him. So whether you're at the beginning of that journey or you kind of been many, many years into that journey, I actually believe that we can all become a bit more like Jesus. And so that's my aim, that's our purpose this year in what we've been teaching. And I want to encourage you to count what you've learned to become that, to become more like Jesus. And the purpose was to bring you closer. Church does not fix people, Jesus does. Church does not mend broken people, Jesus does. And it's in that community together that we can help one another, but we've got to acknowledge and understand that it's actually all about Jesus. You don't need another program. You don't need another, another sort of plan or another kind of an idea. What we all need is Jesus, and that's what, who we are talking about. So we're going to flip to the end of this, uh, the book of Mark in, in chapter 18, and we're going to pick it up where we're going to find people whose dreams had been shattered. They were followers of Jesus. There was close confidants. There were people who he'd spent a lot of time with, the people who believed in him, the people who had heard his teachings, the people who had seen the miracles, the people who were his followers, the people who were prepared to be identified as followers of Jesus. And we, when we pick this up, we see that their dreams appear to have been shattered when Jesus was crucified and put into a cold tomb in the side of a mountain. And when we read, that, we read this in Mark 18, this is what happens Right there from verse 1. When the Sabbath was over, Mary Magdalene, Mary the mother of James, and Salome brought spices so that they might go to anoint Jesus' body. Very early on the first day of the week, just after sunrise, they were on the way to the tomb and asked each other, Who will roll away the stone from the entrance of the tomb? There was an obstacle that they needed to get past to get to Jesus. Verse 4, but when they looked up, they saw that the stone, which was very large, had been rolled away. As they entered the tomb, they saw a young man dressed in a white robe sitting on the right side, and they were alarmed. You would be. Don't be alarmed, he said. You know, angels and, 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 and often say, don't be afraid. Clearly, that would be a reaction that you would have if you saw something you weren't expecting. Don't be alarmed. He said, you're looking for Jesus, the Nazarene, who was crucified. He has risen. He's not here. Nothing to see here, boys. See the place where they laid him. Go tell his disciples and Peter, he's going ahead of you into Galilee. There you will see him just as he told you. Trembling and bewildered, the women went out and fled from the tomb. They said nothing to anyone because they were afraid. Just pick up those words, alarmed, trembling, bewildered, afraid. I think they were pretty much natural reactions to what they had encountered. When they went to the tomb that day to do a good thing, to care for Jesus, I mean, in all practical senses, these three ladies were going to, to, to just make uh, his, his body more presentable in a hot climate, 
spices were important and all that kind of thing. It was important that they could do what they can. And it's a bit like for all of us, when, we, when we've lost someone, we, we, we just feel like, we, we feel bereft. We feel like, you know, I can't do anything about this. And we maybe take flowers to the grave or, or do something like that. But for them, their flowers was to go and anoint the body and prepare the body and try to do what they possibly could. They wanted to do the best they could. They wanted to do one final thing, even though their dreams had been shattered, even though their hopes had disappeared, or so it appeared, they wanted to do that. But they had one very big obstacle. But in spite of that big obstacle, they still set off very early in the morning to go to the tomb. And on the way, they're saying to themselves, you know, we're going, but who's going to move the stone? We've got a picture of what kind of thing, what it possibly looked like. And, you know, there is, there is a garden tomb in Jerusalem. I've been there a couple of times, but we can't say for sure that that's, that's the tomb. Is it, some people might think it is, but, but that's not the point. But you can see it's a huge stone. It's estimated that these stones could weigh up to two tons, which I've forgotten what that is in new money. Quite a few uh, kilos, whatever, somebody will... Check it out for me. So it was, in any case, it's heavy. It was massive. There's no way that two, two or three women could move that stone. But when they got there, the stone was moved. That was not what they were expecting. They, were not, they didn't go to see a risen Savior. That was not their expectation. They came with a particular reason to go and uh, prepare the body. But they realized on the way there was a big obstacle to do what, they've ever do what they wanted to do. Have you ever set off trying to do something or believing you want to do something and then kind of on the way thinking, I'm not sure how this is going to work out? I have. Have you ever sort of think, well, I'm going to go there and I'm going to kind of try and help in a situation, but I haven't a clue what I'm going to say and I haven't a clue how this is going to work out. That's when we rely on God. And, you know, there's obstacles to what we want to do. But, you know, love finds a way through an obstacle. And faith certainly finds a way through an obstacle. And when we trust in God, we can find a way. And that's what they thought they were going to do. Love is a powerful emotion. We heard much about that last week when we looked at the crucifixion. And to see that that was the motivation for what God did for us. And love is an incredible motivation. If you've got a family member or someone close to you that's in difficulty, you will move a seemingly heaven and earth to try and help in that situation. You will go to the, to, you know, you, you won't worry about what the cost of it is in your time and your effort and your finances. You will do just what anything you can to help that. That's a natural thing that comes out of love. And these ladies were motivated by that same kind of emotion. Where they loved Jesus and wanted to do something for him. And love finds a way. But you know, I believe that faith makes a way. Because as Christians, we believe in a God that no matter what the obstacle might be, He will find a way through that obstacle so we can get to where we believe God has called us to be. You know, if you're determined in life, you can often find a way. But there are some obstacles we face that even determination cannot get us through that. But my experience and the experience of many people here this morning is 
that when we trust God, God, God finds a way. When we trust God, there is a way to break through. Even something that should, would appear to be an, an impossible situa- situation. The Marys and Salome wanted to do one final act of service. Nothing would stop them. And you know, when you're really determined to do something, you'll find a way. But when it comes to God, he will absolutely make a way. You know, there are so many examples. You, you, you will have your own stories how faith, you just trusted God, and somehow, an impossible situation, you've got through it. And it's incredible. This building is an example of that, but a better example are the people sat here in front of me in these seats, that God has brought transformation. God has brought restoration. God has brought change. God has answered prayers in incredible ways. We've celebrated that this morning and we have done over the last few weeks with young families. And it's just a wonderful thing to see what God has done. And for many of us, we have our own stories. And if you haven't got any stories, if you trust God, you'll have those stories because God will find a way and you will break through. Faith will find its way and make a way and you'll break through that. So whatever obstacle you are facing to have and to break into the goodness of God for you or to have breakthrough in something which is a challenge, love and faith will find a way through that. What they encountered was not what they expected. That happens to me. Does that happen to you? You know, God, I figured this out. And when you answer this prayer, this is what it'll look like. And God says, I'm God, not you. This is what's going to look like. And it's always better than what I thought it should look like. But, you know, it's about having consistent faith in God and just trusting him through those situations. Verse 5, as he entered the tomb, they saw a young man dressed in a white robe sitting on the right side, and they were alarmed. Where's Jesus? He's not here. He's risen. That just little sentence is massive incredibly powerful. It's, it, it's absolutely extraordinary, that statement. They had gone to visit somebody or to do the last final thing or so they thought, but he wasn't there. He's risen, and they weren't expecting it. And although Jesus had told them many times, this is what's going to happen, it hadn't dawned on them. And you know what? If that had been me, it probably wouldn't have dawned on me either. We sometimes think, well, were these followers of Jesus a bit slow? You know, we'd get it, but you know, really, would we? Because what had happened had never happened before. What had happened was not the way they thought things were going to work out. But when they really saw it, and and when God and Jesus came back and met with them, and, and, and in time they began to understand what had actually happened. They rushed off home in shock, scared out of their wits. Although Jesus had told them, they were surprised, shocked, fearful, alarmed, shaking, trembling, absolutely could not hardly believe what had actually happened at this time. So here are these ladies rushing back because it wasn't what they expected. And you know, sometimes we think, well, there are things in life and in church and in following Jesus that we don't really quite get. We don't kind of understand why these things happen. We just don't really get it. But we've all been there, right? 
So if you're here this morning thinking, I, I like the church community, I like the, the, the warmth of the welcome, I, I, I like the, th- the idea that the church does good things and, and helps people, but I don't really fully get this God stuff. I haven't, I haven't quite get We've all been there. We've all been there. But when we get breakthrough, it's wonderful because what they were able to experience ultimately was a resurrection life. Because Jesus had rose again, they could see it all began to make sense. But it comes down to what does it mean to me and to you? What does it mean to us is so important. What does a resurrection mean to us? Well, according to the Bible, Jesus died so we'd not have to fear death. We heard about that last week. Jesus died so that we would not have to take the punishment, that we could be forgiven. And Jesus rose again to show that death is not the end. And I love the fact that we are resurrection life people. Because not just on Easter Sunday, but 52 weeks a year, we can live in the resurrection life, in the reality of knowing that because Jesus rose again, that we have that future. Well, you think, well, eternal life. I'm a bit fed up with life as it is. I don't want eternity. Well, let me tell you, this is going to be something far exceeding what we could ever imagine. The Bible only gives us a picture of what our future is going to be, but it's going to be wonderful because it's in the presence of God. And frankly, that's enough for me. That, will, that is, blesses me. The risen Savior defeated death. He was convincing proof that he, had rose, he rose again. Many times Jesus appeared to people after his resurrection. At one point, to over 500 people at one time and with proof that he was a resurrection. The believers, the followers of Jesus from then on uh, preached the resurrection. Now, some of them were martyred, some of them were, were persecuted, many of them had you know, impossible obstacles and difficulties to getting the message across. They had to go for this, but they were not persecuted or martyred because they said Jesus died. Everyone knew that. Thousands of people had witnessed that. That wasn't the problem. What, why they were persecuted and martyrs was because they said Jesus had rose again. And if you accept that Jesus rose, rose again, then we have to accept that he is the Messiah, that he is the Son of God, that he is our Savior. If we accept that, then it makes life completely different. It changes everything. If he did not rise, he was just another prophet. And in the eyes of those around, he was just another failed revolutionary. Revolutionary, but if he rose again, he proved he was the Messiah. The good news is that Jesus is who he said he was. He did what he said he would do. And he's alive now for all of us to know that relationship with him. The resurrection was to many, the biggest obstacle to belief, and maybe it still is today, that people can't, yeah, I like that Jesus was a good man, I get that. Right now, we're in the middle of an Alpha course. We started with about 50 people on an Alpha course. It's going really, really well, but there's all sorts of people on that Alpha course. There's people who are Christians for years, there are people who are not yet Christians, there are people who are kind of going through all sorts of stages of recovery and all sorts of things going on. But it's wonderful to see the transformation that comes when people begin to understand and grasp who Jesus is. When people begin to put their faith and their trust in Jesus, it's a wonderful thing. And that's what the resurrection life is all about. It's a 
change, it's a transformation. Jesus said himself in John eleven twenty five, I am the resurrection and the life. The one who believes in me will live even though he die. And that's an extraordinary claim and incredible statement is to say that if we put our trust in Jesus, we have life eternal and we have a new life, a resurrection life in Jesus. If Jesus did not rise from the dead, then hope would have lain next to him in the grave, gone and finished. If Jesus had not risen from the dead, he would just be another great prophet, just another so-called revolutionary. He would not have been who he said he was, but it is the good news about Jesus, the Messiah, the only Son of God, who lived a perfect life, who died a horrible death, and rose again. And we believe that he's coming back for those who love him. That's the whole picture. That's the big story of resurrection life. So when we live for Jesus, we we don't need no longer to live in fear. We don't no no longer need to, to, to feel bound by the problems or the difficulties because Jesus had something better than that for us. He did not become king of Israel and defeat the occupying Roman army, which is what many people longed for him to do. He was humiliated. He was crucified. It seemed like the end of this dream, but we know that is far from the truth. Acts 2.24, God raised him from the dead, freeing him from the agony of death because it was impossible for death to keep its hold on him. I love that. Because of that, we know that it's impossible for death to keep its hold on us because we have an eternal future, a secure future in him. It's a wonderful thing to know that when somebody who trusts God with all their heart and soul for their lives puts Jesus first, even when they pass from this life, it's not the end. They go on to live with Jesus and go to be with him forever. In reading Mark and meeting Jesus, we find a God who loves us, who cares for us, and has a plan for our future. So what's stopping us meeting Jesus? What is the obstacles in our way? Well, sometimes obstacles can appear huge. You know, we have our fears. We have our misunderstandings. We have our concerns about what other people might think about us if we suddenly we become one of these Christians. What, what is the impact on our lives? What, but, you know, we can put that aside because knowing Jesus as Lord and Savior is an incredible thing, changes everything. But the obstacles may be huge. Just got a, a picture to, to show you right now of a huge obstacle. Now, that would take some shifting. If that was on your way home uh, this afternoon or that was on your way tomorrow morning at work and you couldn't get to work, you might be pleased. <laughs> but there it is, impossible. Now, I have a, a grandson, two grandsons, and you may have heard me mention that before, but uh, Ezra, the oldest one, two and a half, if he can't do something, he says to me, Grandad, help. So he's confident that if he can't do it, If I help him, it can be sorted. But even with all my efforts, for me and Ezra, that might be a bit too much. That might just be. But you know, I actually believe that no matter how big the obstacle, with God, anything's possible. The Bible says all things are possible. And you might think the obstacle to your believing in God is a big one. I've got these big questions. 
Well, we'll, we'll, don't wait till all your questions are answered because we need to take a step of faith. And God helps us with those things. As I preached a few weeks ago, God, I believe, help my unbelief. So we make that step towards God and he helps us with obstacles like that. But you know, I'm not belittling your obstacles of, of fear and, 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 and confusion and, 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 and uh, unbelief, whatever that might be. But, you know, with God, anything's possible. And you and I know that it would take more than a little guy like me and a two-year-old boy to, to shift that. It would take a lot more. But it is actually possible to move that. But what is, seems with help, it's possible. But what seems impossible with God is always possible, no matter how big the obstacle might be. In meeting Jesus, it's not about joining a church. It's putting your faith in Jesus. Now, God puts us together in a church, which he calls, you know, a family that he puts us together in, we call the church. And there's a quote I read from uh, Eugene Peterson, who, who just passed away a few days ago, and it says this, the love that God pours out for you and in us creates a community in which that love is reproduced in our love for one another. And that's what church looks like. It's not about join church, that's the answer. No, really Mark, it's about meeting Jesus. It's not about joining church. But in church, we come together, we support each other, we encourage each other, we help each other. When we face big obstacles like that, and you, you'll have faced challenges, huge ones in your life, and those of you who've been Christians for any length of time will know that's absolutely true, but you will also know if you trusted God, you got through those challenges, and that's what happens when we can be in community. That's what the church is meant to look like. So, hey, church, let's make it so. It's not just my responsibility, leader's responsibility, your life group leader's responsibility, your friend's responsibility who brought you to church. It's our responsibility to make sure that the church is a community of love where we care, encourage, challenge, push each other along. That's what it, it looks like. But that's a, there can be real obstacles to faith, whatever that looks like for you. But let me tell you, with God... Anything's possible. So if you're there right now and say, I'd like to believe, I just kind of get past this thing in my mind, I, I can't quite believe it, or I've seen another Christian and they're, they're, they're not, you know, that didn't help me a lot. Well, yeah, we, we, we're all like that because none of us are perfect. That's happens, that's life, okay? But you can get past that obstacle and have a relationship with God for yourself, absolutely sure. The love that God pours out for, for and in us creates a community in which that love is reproduced in love for one another. But you know, we can sometimes have obstacles to continue to following. If you notice in that scripture that we read in Mark 18, it, the instruction was, tell the disciples and Peter. Very significant phrase in the Bible because we know that Peter was the one who, who denied Jesus, but he, he singles him out. And it might be just for you this morning that this is all you need to hear this morning. That God always has a restoration plan for everyone. I've, in my years of ministry, I've always believed 
that no one is too far from God that can't come to God. I've always believed that no one has drifted so far away that they can never come back. So that might be you this morning. You might be the and Peter. Or you might know somebody who is a Peter that you need to help to reach out to and restore and bring them back into community, into faith, into relationship with God, into wholeness with God. Tell, go tell his disciples and Peter. And then we know the story that Peter was restored and Peter became an incredible fearless member of the early church, did incredible things. We know that for sure. We have the record of that. So the story is, it wasn't over because he denied Jesus. It wasn't over because he turned his back on the one who he said he would never abandon. It wasn't over and he was restored. And the story of this church community over years is many people who have drifted away from God, maybe for a long time, have come back and are stronger and better and more whole and fulfilled than they've ever been. I believe that that's true. That might be you this morning that you need to know and you can come back into faith with God. Go tell his disciples and Peter. It's a message for you. It's not over. It's not finished. The situation is not hopeless. You have not gone so far. You can come back into faith with God. And that can be an incredible thing as we are resurrection, restored to resurrection life. In reading Mark and meeting Jesus, we find a God who loves us unconditionally, who cares for us wholeheartedly, and it never gives up on us. And he will bring us back into restoration. As the musicians uh, join me, we're going to prepare to bring this to a conclusion. But I want you to think about that. Maybe you've got obstacles to faith that you kind of get past. You've been coming for a week or two or maybe months. And you kind of like the people or put up with the people, I don't know. But you feel the welcome and you, you understand there's something here. There's something going on about faith, and this faith community is something that interests me, but I just kind of get past this obstacle. I've got these questions. Well, I want to encourage you to take a step of faith this morning and say, God, I don't understand it all. I've still got my questions. I've still got some doubts. Lord, I believe. Help my unbelief and help me get past that. But also want to say, if you've drifted away from God, come back. God's ready to throw a party for you. Absolutely joy in heaven celebrations when we are restored, when, when family comes home. You know, we're coming up to time of Christmas, and, and, and uh, it's a great time that families get together, and it can be a great time, and some, somebody's called Christmas when families attack. And it can be a bit like that as well. But uh, just think about the idea of a restoration of a family, a wholesome, the wholesomeness of that. In God. Discover more about us at lifelanks.org and stay inspired by subscribing to the podcast via iTunes. Thanks for listening.